trials and tribulation of all Christians are, are very difficult. But he did not even guarantee his disciples as they gathered in the upper room. He did not guarantee them freedom from all the tribulations they would experience. And in some cases, well in all cases, their tribulations as committed disciples led to more trials and tribulations than you and I will ever know. We all have those times that we think it couldn't get any tougher than this. Oh yeah, it could. Oh yeah, it could. And the disciples found that to be true. But the disciples, after Pentecost, had that conviction within them without any doubt. We know that they had doubts before. We know that even in the upper room they had their doubts. We know that during the 40 days after the crucifixion, even though they'd been with Jesus Christ, they had doubts. We ask, how? How could you have doubts at that point in time? Well, they're human. You've heard it says that I can't even believe, believe my own eyes because it's unbelievable. Maybe that's what they were thinking as he appeared in the rooms where all the doors are locked and he just appears. Maybe that's what he was thinking. That Thomas was thinking when he touched the wounds in his wrist and his side. Maybe that's it. But not until Pentecost did they believe with everything that was in them. Everything. That Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. That day changed the hearts of each and every one. No longer could anyone accuse the disciples of being cowards. They immediately stepped out on the balcony and started preaching. Different disciples teaching in different tongues because there were many people, the Romans, uh, Egypt, and India, they came from all over the world for that Pentecost weekend. So there were many languages, and God made it possible for the disciples to address each and every language. But we know that Paul was so courageous that there were 3,000 converted to Christianity that day because of his passion and because he spoke the words that God put on his heart. No longer would any of them shy away from the fact that Jesus was Lord and He was our Savior. So no matter what kind of issues we may have, and I've heard people say that in the workplace they hesitate to say they're a Christian because there are those in the workplace that might mock them. We're blessed here in this community and that we don't have so much of that uh, that kind of uh, abuse by those that are non-believers. But how strong would we be if we were in California in a workplace in which it was predominantly anti-Christ, anti-God? How strong would we be? Would we stand up? Would we let them know that we are a believer in Jesus Christ? Would we have that courage then? 
I'd hope so. I'd hope that if I'm put to that test, that there would be no doubt that I live. I live for Christ. I die. I die for Christ. And as I live or die, it's for Christ. For Him. Not for me. And that He would be pleased with my statement, my courage, and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. What an awesome blessing. We as Christians, we don't spend our entire life in trials and tribulations. Matthew 5, 3, pardon me, 5, 12. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. The disciples didn't spend their whole time running and hiding in fear of their life being taken. They had times together in communion with other Christians. In Acts, we've been reading about the formation of the church, how this took place with great courage from Apostle and others that had the courage to go into areas that had never even heard the name of Jesus. They had courage to go in there and they'd face those that wanted to stone them and whip them. Yes, those that wanted to take their life. But when they came together as church, it came together with joy and happiness. And each one stepped up. Oh yes, it's never going to be 100%. But remember in Matthew 28, 20, when Jesus told the disciples to take the message throughout the world, I know when I read that, I said, how can this be? Eleven disciples? They're walking everywhere they're going. They're not even riding mules. How can they spread it throughout the world? Oh, ye of little faith. Because they did. That first generation of Christians, they took it with them as they traveled. They took it with it with great courage when they went into places that no Christian had been before. Wayne, O ye of little faith, for if He brings us to it, He'll bring us through it. Yes, they were, tra- they were chastised, they were abused, but they spoke the Word of God. They let the world know that there is Jesus Christ who is the Lord and Savior. Those Greeks that were worshiping many idols, you know, the kind you'd carve with a knife and then start bowing down and praying to. I've got some wood carvings in my house. I don't know which one of the gods they'd say that belonged to, but it's certainly not my God. They're wood carvings. They don't breathe, they don't talk, and they certainly do not forgive my sins. Not a one of them. And this is what the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ, this is what they told 
at the risk of their own life. The Greeks had a God that had no name. Paul, being a very, very intelligent person, says, I can tell you who that God is that you say has no name. He is the God that created the heavens and the earth. He is the one that sent His Son for the repentance of your sin. Paul named that God, and he says there is only one God, and it's not hand-carved. It's not forged under heat. It's Jesus Christ. In John, the second, uh, excuse me, the eighth chapter, and the 31st verse. If you hold to my teachings and you are really, and you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth, the truth will set you free. The 34th verse. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I'm not going to ask for hands because I know it would be unanimous here. We all sin. Probably before we even got in here and maybe while we're in here. Because our thoughts are not always pure. So if the Son of God sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, we're all slaves. We're all slaves to our sins. We don't want to do what is wrong. Like Paul says, he says, why do I do the things I don't want to do, but I do the things that I don't want to do. I just mess that up. Why is it I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do? Is that clear? Because we're weak. We're weak. Each and every one of us have our weaknesses. Some are stronger than others. But he already knows it. He already knows it, even though we're embarrassed. Golly, I did that again. I had an evil thought about that person, and I know not to do that. I got involved with gossip, and I know not to gossip. I did it again. I've been asked, and maybe you have too, how many times will God forgive you for the same sin? The scripture says seven times 70, but what that means is not 490 times, thank you Lord, but it means endless number of times. For any number of times that you go to Christ, that means you have faith in Him. So it's 5,000 times, and you ask for forgiveness again, and guess what? You get it. Because He is a loving, forgiving God. You have trouble struggling with you because of your guilt. So you struggle, but God doesn't. God doesn't struggle at all with it. In the book of Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, the 6th verse, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, nor will He ever 
ever forsake you. Over 600 times the Old Testament makes reference to a Messiah, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 600 times. 600. And these scriptures were written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was even born. But He was in fulfillment of those prophecies. And it wasn't just because those guys were just so smart. It's that God put that message on their heart. And He put the message on the hearts of everyone that penned this book. Everyone. Everyone. We can rejoice because we know Jesus Christ. I hope when you leave today, it's with joy in your heart. Yes, you still have those bills that are due. Yes, you still have work that needs to be done on the farm. You still have those needs. But I hope you leave with joy in your heart because Jesus Christ is with you. As you go about the task, Jesus Christ is there. The book of Psalms, the first chapter, the first verse. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law daily and at night. That person is like a tree planted by the stream of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, Whatever they do prospers. Those that walk with the Lord are like that tree. And we've seen it. I mean, if anybody understands a tree growing close to a stream and how strong it is and how green it is and how it can withstand storms, it's those of us here in this place in which we don't see a whole lot of trees. But we see those cottonwoods growing big and tall, reaching up to heaven, sturdy, with able to stand winds because they are planted next to the streams. And you and I are to be the exact same way, strong and sturdy. And the stream we stand next to is Jesus Christ. He is our water. He is our nutrition. He is the one that takes care of us each and every step of the way. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, the fifth verse. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Those are the words of Paul. Even imprisoned with chains, shackles around him, he was relentless and he was courageous. Luke was as well, for Luke went in and recorded Paul's words. His words that mean so much to each and every one of us today. 
today. I hope each and every one of us are stronger. Stronger than we were when we entered this His house. Stronger than we were yesterday. But not as strong as we will be tomorrow. For God is with us. Always. Dear Heavenly Father, we know Your presence. We feel Your presence. We know, dear Lord, that each and every time we seek You, You are there. There's no doubt. Yes, sometimes the prayers take a while to be answered, and sometimes the answer is no. When I look back at some of the things I requested, I'd say, thank You, Lord, that You did say no. For in Your wisdom, that was not to be for me. Thank You, dear Lord, for each person here today. Each person within the sound of of this voice, that they are blessed. Blessed by that Holy Spirit. Blessed by Jesus Christ Himself. For it's in Your name, Lord.